You're listening to a very special edition of Monocle on Culture, celebrating the programme's partnership with the Department of Culture and Tourism, Abu Dhabi. Today, I'm joined by His Excellency Mohammed Khalifa Al-Mubarak, Chairman of Abu Dhabi's Department of Culture and Tourism. I first met His Excellency back in 2017 when we met at the opening of the Louvre Abu Dhabi and he was excellent at fielding a thousand questions with an imaginative and different answer each time. Personally, I was struck by how much he loved the project, what it meant and what it might achieve. His work and his ambitions are informed by a very real belief that culture has to be at the heart of any progressive society. Not only that, but culture, when properly supported and valued, itself drives society forward. We're in a moment of reckoning in the world of what you might call big culture, where the ability to build new museums with fresh thinking is an opportunity not to be missed. Sadiat Island's wealth of upcoming institutions could grasp that chance. His Excellency will explain why what is happening in the Emirate is a celebration of all culture, backgrounds, religions, nations. It's an expression of the simplest form of belief, a belief in creating a better future. This is twinned with a real reverence for education, a desire to prompt young people to think and to think differently too. We began by talking about the great success of the Louvre Abu Dhabi, an institution that's bedded in really well and become a real hub in the middle of the world, housing an incredible collection under a very handsome roof. These big projects don't always fly, so I asked him when he sees families there and curators busy in their work and a very fresh take on curation. Is that what success looks like? There's many metrics of success. You take the pandemic, for example. The pandemic was unfortunate for everybody. I don't think there's any single person you can speak to where they can tell you that the pandemic has been easy. But when somebody gives you lemons, first thing you want to do with them is lemonade. And I think we took the opportunity that was put at hand in front of us during the pandemic at the Louvre to see how we can reinvent ourselves. And what I mean by that is, obviously, we were one of the first cultural institutions to reopen during the pandemic. We felt it was imperative for us because, like I said, when I go back, the belief of Abu Dhabi that culture is the backbone of our society. So it was imperative for us to open and, you know, bring back children and families and people that are interested in this realm back to our museum. First of all, it was what the opening of the Louvre during the pandemic meant. To be totally transparent with you, Rob, it was a beautiful time because... Everybody who's embedded in the world of culture wants to broadcast culture, you know, wants mm-hmm. to basically, wants to really create an ocean of culture for people to basically swim in it, to be a part of it. During the pandemic, more than ever, we worked hand in hand with institutions from all over the world to find solutions for our institutions, for our cultural investments, for our theaters, for our cinemas, for our musicals, and the, and the list goes on. When we were creating the the safe guidelines to open up the Louvre back to the public, some of the first conversations I had once our blueprint was set was with the British Museum, with the Amertage, with the Guggenheim, New York, with the Louvre Paris, and basically saying, listen, we've worked night and day to come up with these guidelines. We just want to share it with you. Take it, use it, enhance it. But we feel just as it's important for us to open our institution here in Abu Dhabi, it's important for you to open your institutions as fast as possible. And that was actually something that was fantastic. At the second time, again, taking advantage of the opportunity at hand. Of course, during the pandemic, especially in the beginning with the Delta and the Alpha variants, travel was not easy. So, of course, the tourism numbers 
the international tourism numbers here took a hit. But that being said, it created an opportunity for us to re-engage and re-market what's happening at the Louvre to the public, to the local audience here. And we have gained a brand new following by the local audiences here in the UAE. For the first time, the Louvre was not just a cultural institution or a museum, it was sort of a safe haven out of the pandemic. A beacon of light, really. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was amazing. And then, of course, the third aspect is when schools went back to their school visitations to the museum. Just seeing kids in awe to some of the new objects and new paintings that we've acquired and seeing the stuff that they saw before. You know, me, myself, my first outing after, like I said, the first phase of the pandemic when we were all pretty much locked up in our homes, our first outing, my twins, my two boys, Khalid and Khalifa, their first outing was to the Louvre Abu Dhabi. And it was the first thing they saw. I love that. I love that. They're sort of a jolly cultured family, Mohammed. I'd expect no less. <laughs> no, no. But <laughs> not, I, but not, 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 not the ice cream van. That's not the first port of call. It's the Louvre. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you know, it was that. And I think, like I said, obviously, I just felt I needed to be there. I have a sense of belonging there. It, it almost feels mm-hmm. home to me to share that with them. So all of these things intertwined was a beautiful success during the pandemic. Now, coming out of the pandemic uh, right now, You know, we are seeing tourists back at the Louvre. We are back to pre-pandemic numbers in terms of our daily visitations. And it's a beautiful mix. It's almost right now 50% tourists to 50% local residents versus prior to the pandemic, it was closer to 70-30. So having Mm -hmm. that 50-50 mix is a lot more sustainable for us, which is great. You know, we're seeing a lot more school visitations, obviously Expo being right next door to us in Dubai. We have seen an array of diplomats, politicians, philanthropists, people within the creative industry realm, all basically take that 45 to an hour drive to experience the Louvre. So this is a continued success for us. This year is a critical year for us. Not only are we doubling down when it comes to research and publications, Coming out of the Louvre Abu Dhabi, we have invested heavily in 2021 in our research and development center that is really world-class. And not only right now is it being utilized by the Louvre Abu Dhabi, but also with other cultural institutions within the UAE. Just across the road, of course, we have the Sheikh Zayed National Museum that's under development as we speak. So a lot of the archaeological objects that we have there are basically being researched as we speak at the Louvre Abu Dhabi. So that sort of relationship and connection is fantastic. You know, we have been, you know, knock on wood, the last 24 months have been fantastic for us when it comes to our acquisitions. You know, we have really acquired a very powerful continuation of our ever-growing collection. Mm -hmm. Obviously, during this period, I'm sure you've heard, Rob, we have cemented our relationship with the Louvre Paris even more. So we have extended our relationship with them to take us to 2040. This is going to be just, just showcasing how we feel about our partners and how our partners feel about ourselves. So, you know, you said something about it being a beacon of light. I think the Sadiat cultural district is a beacon of light, you know, whether it's the Louvre, whether it's the Abrahamic family house or the Sheikh Zayed National Museum, the Guggenheim, and of course, our latest jewel, the Natural History Museum. If I may just butt in for a second, I'd love to, yes. I'd love to get the lowdown on that. We started this conversation, Mohammed, saying you kind of set yourself up for (laughs) another mad work period around the opening of the Louvre. You were talking so much and so was the, you know, the ruling family and and, and all the rest of it about all the kind of cultural opportunities. Here you go again with the Natural History Museum. So you're heading off in another direction, all under the broader cultural umbrella. 
with natural history. So tell us about the sort of genesis of this. When was the idea sort of floated for this and, and how will it take shape? Many years ago, there was a conceptual announcement of a cultural district here mm-hmm. at Sadia, which basically had the Guggenheim, the Louvre, the Sheikh Zayed National Museum, and you had, if you remember, the Zah Hadid Performing Arts Center and the Tado Ando Maritime Museum. From that time to where we are today, there has been a significant, uh, like I said, evolution of that plan. One that is basically right spot in front of us is the reality of this plan. So when that plan was set, the only museum that was under construction or started to be constructed was the Louvre Abu Dhabi. Today, we have five museums, actually the fifth, not really a museum because it's more of a cultural institution, which Mm -hmm. is so we have five institutions that are under construction as we speak. We have, of course, that is operational. You have the Louvre Abu Dhabi. You have the Guggenheim Abu Dhabi, which we announced the construction has commenced late last year. This is a major project for us. We have also, to some extent, from the original conceptual thought, have done quite a lot from a curatorial perspective and from a vision perspective of the Guggenheim Abu Dhabi. The Guggenheim Abu Dhabi is a museum that will celebrate artists from all over the world. It's a museum that will redefine artist equality whether it is gender equality, race equality, or geographical equality. And this was critical for us. So the Guggenheim Abu Dhabi is a place that we are going to celebrate contemporary and modern art from the 1960s and beyond. On, on that, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And there's a big debate in the art world at the moment, Mohammed, of which I'm sure you're aware, yes, which is this idea of equity and diversity and, and having yes, a collection kind of come from the bottom up rather than the top down, or at least have those yes, conversations. Sir. Now, you, you've yes, got an amazing opportunity here. You're building absolutely. these brand new institutions that can actually be different. They can be wired differently to our old sort of European, you might say, or North American institutions institutions which have a very different or historically had a very different view so you've got a lovely it's a lovely opportunity i'd have thought here absolutely and rob you know there is no harm and i'm sure this is something you continuously hear through a lot of your fan base who read your stuff and listen to you we are celebrating our youth so going back to what you said some of these institutions around the world they have been built on archaic and bureaucratic guidelines Mm -hmm. or a vision So for them to sort of evolve or even to create an internal revolution is a lot more difficult. We are in a much different situation where basically the maneuvering we have is a lot larger than some of the other institutions. And at the same time, due to our geographical location, being smack in the middle between East and West, we also feel we can be a blueprint of change and we can be the new blueprint of new cultural institutions around the world. So when I go back to the Guggenheim, as you rightfully said, Artists from Southeast Asia, from Eastern Europe, from South America, African-American artists or artists of color, female artists and artists of pretty much any corner of the earth, whatever their preference is, if they've invested their lives and they've invested their forms in creating art that has a positive message or a message that basically encompasses change, positive change, we're going to be celebrating you at the Guggenheim. So the Guggenheim is not going to be, Guggenheim Abu Dhabi is not going to be filled with Basquiat's and Andy Warhol's and Rolichistines and Pollock's and et cetera, et cetera. Yes, we're going to have these, but they're going to be sitting side by side with what was happening around the world when these movements were happening, or when mm-hmm. these artists were flourishing. And I think this is what's going to be beautiful. I mean, you can imagine Rob being at the Guggenheim Abu Dhabi and you know, you seeing a beautiful painting of Basquiat at the same time, you look to its left and you see this amazing artist from the Philippines 
or another amazing artist from Peru or from Nigeria. And I think this is what's going to differentiate things because all of a sudden, then you're looking at this and saying, okay, look who inspired who, or who do you think inspired who, or what is the dialogue between these paintings? What is the, the message dialogue and what is the aesthetic dialogue? And I think this is going to be a very powerful message coming out of the Guggenheim Abu Dhabi. Going back to your question, we launched this project in terms of construction has started on this project. We have continued to acquire art to fill these beautiful walls. We are over 600 permanent artworks that we have acquired and more. And it's been a fascinating journey, not only in acquiring some of these art, but making it an important task for us to also basically ignite the art galleries within these countries. So also how we acquire art, is, it's quite different. So, so you can go down into the sort of art ecosystem of, a, of an underexplored absolutely. kind of commercial are, place like you, Peru, as you mentioned. Yeah, You're absolutely right. So, for example, every single year we try to dedicate ourselves to a certain void that we have in the museum. So the way I look at the Guggenheim, to me, is I created a pie chart. And that pie basically has equality, equal pieces of the pie. And these equal pieces of pie have to be filled. So if, for example, we come to the conclusion that, you know what, we need to really upend our artists from South America, we then focus this year on arts from South America. And what better is to, like you said, reignite the entire ecosystem. So the artists, the galleries, all the relevant partners within that ecosystem, because this is why we're here. To me, if I'm going to acquire all the art from three, four galleries, one in New York, one in Paris, one in London, and one in Tokyo, then, okay, fantastic. Great for the artists, but am I actually creating an internal movement? And we are seeing it, you know, throughout the Arab world, because obviously we are quite an extensive collection of artists from the Arab world. We are seeing it in Southeast Asia. We are seeing how our movement is trickling down over there. So I think that's something that's excellent. So, we, you know, we talked about the Guggenheim, 80,000 square meters of a fantastic space. It's over 28 galleries. We are right now in a very important part because we are in the process of basically discussing with several artists the massive and beautiful commissions that are going to be within the museum and on the outskirts of the museum. So uh, construction has started. It's so far so good. It's looking good. Yeah, you know? it's, it's a very exciting time. And, and I know, I mean, it's, I'm sure our listeners will be able to hear <laughs> the excitement is palpable in the way you talk about all this stuff. You know, it's a wonderful thing to have. I, <laughs> I, I dread to think how many, how many days it's going to take us to, to walk around all the amazing attractions just on Sadiat itself. I really wanted to get a little bit of the lowdown on this new Natural History Museum, this mooted Natural History Museum, Ahmed, as well. What can you tell us about that? So I can tell you that, like I said, so very quickly, because this is going to be important for you. So the Guggenheim Abu Dhabi, my target is to open this museum in 2025. You then have the Sheikh Zayed National Museum, which is, of course, is a museum designed by Norman Foster. Mm -hmm. This is a museum that has gone through a evolution from a curatorial perspective. Now this is a museum that will tell the story of the history of the UAE, the long history of the UAE and of the Emirates. So it's not just the United Arab Emirates, which is 50 years old. You know, we're talking about the land itself, which is thousands of years old. So you're going to have archaeology, you're going to have performing arts, you're going to have discussion on our history, our tangible history and intangible history. That project is going full steam ahead, and we're hoping for a 2023 opening. So we've had 25 for the Guggenheim, 23 for the Zayed National Museum. Of course, you have the Abrahamic Family House, which is also under construction designed by Sir David Adagé. What an unbelievable architect. He's an architect that not only has he become a friend and a partner of our cultural district, 
he has become the sort of, you know, a, a really a brother. And it's been great working with him. And yeah, this he cares week, about getting it right as well, doesn't he? I mean, you've got you quite know, a talent you, board you, there. You got it perfect. You got it. He really cares. And what's amazing is, first of all, the speed that this project is going in. We're going to finish construction of this entire project by the summer of this year. I've had people, Rob, drive by architects, uh, you know, a cultural practitioner who I basically spoke about this project when I launched it in New York several years ago, right before the pandemic. I'm telling you, Rob, when they come down here, their jaw drops. I mean, Frank Gehry, his jaw literally <laughs> dropped. And he said, I yeah. actually thought this was just nice pictures on a paper. I just didn't think it was going to happen. And it's happening right now. And probably this time next year, you're going to be walking down the Jean Chirac Boulevard on Sadiat Island. And all of a sudden, you're going to hear church bells. And then you're going to hear the Muslim call to prayer. And then you might hear the beautiful Jewish call to prayer, the, the horns. What a beautiful environment to be around. Indeed. Where people will, you know, you will see people from different faiths coming together. You'll see them obviously throughout the year celebrating Passover, Christmas, Eid together. But that's another major attraction. There's a fourth building that actually sits underground. So other than the synagogue, the church, and the mosque, there's a fourth building that sits underground. And that's a building of understanding. Uh, understanding the Abrahamic faiths, understanding how close they are to each other. And it's more of a an understanding of the essence of faith. So I think that's going to be a very powerful institution. Then, of course, we go to the one you've been asking me about, the Natural History Museum. So how did the story basically, how did we start this? You know, I'm an avid reader. I love to read. And like all great stories, you have a fantastic beginning and a fantastic middle and, of course, a fantastic end. And if it's that good, you can read it again and again and again. And you, Every single time you read it, you're going to learn something brand new. So... We looked at our cultural district and we said, okay, we have the Louvre, which is a universal museum that basically celebrates, again, world culture throughout history. And we see it in a brand new different light because all of a sudden they are no longer, we're not going through a clear chronological order and geography based. We're basically putting things side by side to tell the story of our shared humanity. And you, you see it, just the way we basically, the museum is curated. So you have that. Of course, we just discussed what you have at the Guggenheim. Okay, we talked about the Sheikh Zayed Museum. So we said, okay, how do we, you know, the story right now doesn't actually have a beginning. So you have a fantastic middle, <laughs> and you have a continuation to the future. What's, what's the beginning? Yeah. So the beginning, our answer was we needed a world-class natural history museum, a place where you learned about how our world was created. You learn about the evolution of man. You, you learn about the importance of our environment. You learn about how to protect our environment. When customers and visitors leave, they need to have that sense of urgency that, listen, this is our world and we need to protect every second of it and every living organism in it. So it's really special for us. I mean, I would be lying to you if I told you it does not have maybe an extra special place in my heart here just because of just growing up as a kid. My best memories was going to the Natural History Museum in London and spending hours there. These places are, are repositories of such deep learning, but such personal experiences for visitors like yourself, Mohammed. And I share with you the, the sort of, actually the sort of slight terror of walking into that huge chamber with the huge blue whale in it in London. <laughs> I uh, remember that. Similarly huh? in New York, you know, the squid and the whale in New York City in the Natural History Absolutely. Museum there. Um, they're Absolutely. beguiling places, aren't they, for, for kids and, and adults. And alike. now we're going to be a part of so we are a part of a bigger, even a bigger message. So we're going to be connected to hopefully 
many natural history museums of the world. And we're going to be connected through our content, through our research, through our development. This is really going to be a pioneered scientific research and teaching institution. So the more partners we're going to have on with us, the better it is for everybody. It is. It's a huge vision. It's exceptionally bold. You talk about it with such passion. It's a real wonder. And as I said, particularly perhaps with this program, Monocle on Culture, you know, it's a very exciting opportunity to to build a new sort of museum as well and a new Absolutely. sort of cultural sort of forum. And, and we're very excited by that as well. Rob, you have kids? No, not yet. Okay. So, <laughs> soon, inshallah. Yeah, inshallah. You, I think... When I sit down and, you know, I look beyond 2025, I say, okay, am I in a position that I'm giving my children the tools to be better thinkers, better human beings, and in the end, individuals of change that are going to create a better, whatever, a better future, a better today. If we basically are setting ourselves for that type of success, then that is our main metric. So if you can imagine in 2026, you with your friends, Rob, or with your you know, loved ones, your family, maybe with a little kid here and there, you know, you still have time, visiting the Saadiyat Cultural Center and then going Natural History Museum and then going to the Louvre and then the Guggenheim and then the Abrahamic. The amount of what you're going to be getting is just going to be so powerful. And then there's actually a fifth institution we have yet to discuss with you, which inshallah, maybe in the very near future, Maybe we can have another of these phone calls and maybe we can actually give it to you first also because this one is the final chapter pretty much of our story. And this is what brings everything together. This is the place that's going to basically sort of you become the main character in our story. You're always the main character, but this is when you find out you're the main character. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Okay. You have expertly left us and our listeners on Tenderhooks, <laughs> Mohammed. Your Excellency, Sorry. thank you very Please much for your time. Mohammed. Thank you very much for your time. And Rob, I really do hope when you get some time, come down here, get some sunshine, get yeah. some blue waters. Yeah. And I'd love to walk you through many of the stuff we discussed and for you to see it because hearing it is nice, but seeing it really makes you believe it. His Excellency Mohammed Khalifa Al-Mubarak, Chairman of Abu Dhabi's Department of Culture and Tourism. And that's all for this special edition of Monocle on Culture, celebrating our programme's partnership with Abu Dhabi and helping shine a spotlight on the Emirates' remarkable programme for culture and the creative industries. You can find out more by heading to visitabudhabi.ae. We'll be back later this week with our usual episode, but until then, it's goodbye from me, Robert Bound, and thanks for tuning in. Thank you.